Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Austin Healy, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. Joining me in the studio today is a fellow former giant um, of rugby. Not shrinking. <laughs> England giant, Ben Kay. And it's fair to say we have not had the greatest weekend as two former Why, England what's nationals. Happened? Well, daughter didn't win the national netball oh, finals. No. Had to stop a pocket money. I, I was over in Rome watching... Uh, the, the huge game of Scotland Italy in uh, oh, I gonna say the, the weekend, opera. so I didn't didn't see anything else that happened. Uh, anything any any of any interest? Uh, I didn't watch any of no, the other weekend. Good. Good. Moving on, it's going to be a pretty short podcast, yeah. isn't it? Uh, but let's well, aside from begrudgingly looking at England's miserable Six Nations, here's a look at what else we've got coming up in a island-centric show. We were joined by Australia's head coach, Michael Checker, in the studio. We are lucky because we get to play New Zealand three times a year, you know what I mean? That's the way you improve. And he wasn't alone as he was sat next to England's all-time biggest player, sorry, most capped player, Jason Leonard, who had a few things to say about our efforts this year. Hopefully this, this England team will learn from the games that they've lost in this Six Nations. And now the Six Nations are over, we can also look ahead to the final five rounds of the Aviva Premiership season. But before we get to any of that, uh, we have some really sad news. Former New Zealand and Samoan international Dylan Mika sadly passed away suddenly on Tuesday at the age of just 45. All of us here at BT Sport and around the rugby world send our thoughts and condolences to Dylan's friends and family at this time. OK, Ben, here we go. Let's discuss England's action at the weekend. But before we do, let's start with something a little bit more contentious. Spain versus Romania. Of which, I don't know what I'm talking about because I know there was some Romanian ref and yeah, so kicked well, off 24 I, I penalties. Sort of no. So the game it was between uh, Spain and Belgium. The Rugby Europe, which is uh, the governing body that dictates the, that sort of next tier down of uh, European rugby, put in charge a Romanian referee and Romanian officials. Uh, the result of that match, though... Uh, dictated whether Romania would go straight into the World Cup qualifier uh, qualification or whether Spain would. And as a result of Spain losing, they now have to take a shot in the qualification process, the, the, the next qualification process. So you can imagine that had there been any contentious decisions, the, the Spanish would have been a little bit upset. And 
23 penalties against eight. And 20, 24 penalties, I think, uh, to not very many. Eight, four. I think, was it? Someone, someone told me it, it was four. Yeah. And they lost 18-10. Uh, um, isn't there an international court of arbitration for sport that well, they I think, could take it to? I think World Rugby have actually said that they're going to look at it and they're going to review it. And it could be well be that they struck the result off. Um, I, I saw some of the someone have put a, a clip of all the penalties on. Now the problem with breakdown, a lot of them socks get, down, a lot of socks them. are down, <laughs> laces undone. <laughs> Penalty, three points. Hey, uh, do oh, don't call me ref or you'll be off. Uh, the the problem is a lot of them came in and around the breakdown and the problem with rugby as a whole is you can usually find a couple of decisions that a referee could give one way or the other. It just so happens that he seemed to give them all against Spain and, and towards Belgium and with three officials, uh, Romanian officials, it all looked a bit suspect. So I think it will get, I, I think it will get looked at, and I think it could well get struck off as a result. Yeah, had the officials had to get out there quickly on on that private Romanian jet <laughs> <laughs> they used to get back to the, uh, Bucharest. The, the the players obviously remonstrated quite uh, vociferously at the end with with the referee as well, which we don't want to see. Uh, but put it into context, Spain were massive favourites to to win that game fairly comfortably having played so well in the previous games okay whilst we are rounding up on the news before we obviously get to the big news of the weekend uh, Ireland's amazing Grand Slam George Northgate what, what do you know about George George Northgate is he, it, is it, does it lead on to green. a stream does it's it lead is it in a field yeah and it's got George George's house it's finally come it. to an end his dispute uh, he's returned to training and is now ready to play for Saints um, which is fortunate really bearing in mind they're paying him about 15 grand a week <laughs> Uh, yeah, obviously, um, Dean Gaffney, we call him Dean or Alan, Alan Gaffney, he um, came out quite, quite publicly and said that uh, he was hadn't considered George North for selection in one of the down weeks between uh, Six Nations games because he wanted to pick people that actually wanted to play for the club. So it turns out that, that the reason was George missed a training session. We're pretty sure that George wouldn't have been overly keen to play for Northampton as the, the England players that, that are involved obviously get that weekend off to, to recover and George wanted to play for Wales. Uh, so there was all sorts of speculation that he might return home early to Wales. Uh, he's obviously going there next season. I actually think, you know, maybe they could have come to an arrangement where, where he could have gone. It would have taken some of the financial strain off Northampton. It would have been a better then, deal, wouldn't yeah, it, really? Because they've got nothing to yeah. play for. They but can't I, make the top exactly. six. But I don't well, think... they could in mathematically, but... I don't think it's going to affect the relationship with George and any of the players are to the end of the season or the coaching staff. I think they'll just get on with it. He'll probably score a, a couple of tries and, and let's hope uh, that the, the fans remen remember him for the good times rather than this uh, this argument. And then Cardiff, uh, talking of Wales, uh, Cardiff announced their new coach, uh, John Mulvillehill. Mulvillehill? Mulville? How do you pronounce his surname? Mulvihi. <laughs> <laughs> it, it says Hill on the end. Don't know. I think it's Mulve Hill. It's been protracted, hasn't it, though? There's been all sorts of people mentioned uh, that, that were going to Cardiff Blues. Jordan Murphy was mentioned at one time. It looked like Jim Mallander became the favourite and then he turned them down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's... They've, they've obviously scoured the universe <laughs> well, to... Well, they have because they've got him from yeah, Japan. In, in the second from, tier. Yeah, Honda Heat. Hey. Well, that's the team he's the coach <laughs> oh. of in Japan, oh, right. Honda Heat. I like that name. Yeah, yeah. nice. Um, You've got one of those cars, haven't you? No, I haven't. No. I've got a Jeep. Um, Civic. What? Honda Civic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he says here that uh, 
Richard Holland, who's the chief executive of Cardiff Blues. I believe John will be the perfect fit for Cardiff Blues. He has an abundance of experience and a track record of bringing through young talent, which was very appealing given the age profile of our squad. What he's actually saying is, we haven't got a lot of money and we're going to have to build from the ground up, which is fair enough. And what we're actually saying is, we haven't got a clue about him, so we can't really say whether he's going to be a good coach. No, I don't think we could be any more generic in our appraisal of, of his signing. Well done. Thank you. Well, well done, John. Um, and, and good luck coming over from Honda Heat. Okay, that's enough news for one week, I think. It's a good place to end, if anywhere. Uh, let's get down to the elephant in the room. England losing three games in the Six Nations and finishing... <coughs> fifth. Fifth. Worst for 30, how, how many years? 35 years, something like that? Yeah, probably worst, yeah. Well, worst in the Six Nations ever, because last time they finished fifth, they were last. Um, yeah, it was uh, It was not great. Go on then, where did they go wrong? So that's <laughs> how long we got? <laughs> well, oh, I don't think, that I obviously watched the game, and uh, I knew after five minutes they were losing the game, as I'm sure most experienced internationals did. They lost the contact, they physically got dominated, uh, they got destroyed. I thought the first try was a knock-on, and I'm surprised they didn't come back and look at it at all because I thought it hit Keeney's hand. That aside, Ireland were amazing. England were terrible. So if we just concentrate on England for the minute, I heard Dylan Hartley say something after the game which infuriated me in his Five Live uh, interview. He said uh, he was asked by... Chris Jones. Chris Jones, yeah, nice guy. He said, um, he asked him what was going on. He'll be delighted with that appraisal from you. Yeah, well, fine, <laughs> okay. He asked him a question about what what people thought of what was going on, and Dylan Hartley said, we don't care what anyone else thinks. Um, we're just going to appraise the game, appraise our, uh, our performance, and then we'll change things. And I thought to myself, maybe you should care, Dylan, because very soon you'll be like one of us and just a fan of England. Uh, and I don't, I don't get that sense that there's an involvement from everyone, and his, you know, that, his that, leadership funny is. Funny because that's exactly the sort of thing you would have said. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, because I wasn't the captain, so I would never have been interviewed oh, okay. after a loss like that. Um, I agree. I, it, it's it's very difficult, and, and you know, Dylan isn't the best, which isn't necessarily, uh, apart from upsetting you, not not a huge negative for an England captain. I, I know someone that wasn't particularly good at you know, fluffy answers, who was an England captain, but he was quite good. Um, but sometimes it's difficult after the game. You just want to go through your media duties and, and actually not give away too much. You, you don't want to, you know, you don't, you don't want to open everything up to the media. What What's the point in doing that? He's, he's right in some respects that you've got to sort the problems out internally. I, I think that the, one of the difficulties for England is, is he is not necessarily playing the best as a hooker, but they're just so lacking still in the number of leaders that they've got in the team. It was a problem in 2015. It was it was highlighted that probably the only the only real leaders uh, were, were Ford and Farrell, who were two really young kids. And and, and I'd say that's pretty much still the case. You know, they're they're low in leaders. Yeah. I think he's got the selection wrong on numerous occasions through the Six Nations. They have had a lot of injuries. I mean, Billy Vunapola... Most so it makes a massive difference. It makes a huge difference, particularly but, with people talk about back row balance, and and that's been yeah. a major thing. I, yeah, and not having an out and out seven, I don't actually think that that's necessarily been the guard the the problem because everyone says, well, we're getting killed at the breakdown, so we need a seven, but we're getting killed on our ball at the breakdown, which 
you know, gone are the days of the seven going to every every breakdown and securing your own ball. But that's the style of play. The it's style a, of play. I totally agree with you. So the style of play that they implement is they like to go around the corner and they like to bring decoy runners on the front line and then distribute the ball to the back and get to corners. It's so dated that now. All defensive sides well, know how to work and run through the defence. It's brilliant as long as you don't do it every time. And, and, and they see that seems to be the first option. Yep. It's brilliant when those frontline runners are an actual running threat and defenders get sat down. And, and they've got the playmakers to be able to decide whether to play out the bat. There's only but, one uh, side in the world that can play that all the time, and that's Wasps. And that's because yeah. Danny Cipriani is one of the only guys but even, that can it, do it. Even they struggled at the beginning of the season yep. because they didn't have that momentum with, with those frontline players and they weren't genuine threats. As soon as they sorted that problem out, which perhaps is a good thing for England that was, you know, the likes of was sorted it out very quickly. Um, but I, I'd agree with you. It, and, and there was a lot of fast handling, which I think they've been working on in training camps and like when they went to Portugal and things that really quick hands to, to keep the ball away from contact and, 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 and try and, stop that line speed but the problem is if you if those guys offloading the ball are getting caught you then haven't got players getting there quickly enough to clear out to the actual guy that takes it into contact and, yeah. and that was a big area the other area at the breakdown i thought was massive was the tacklers for, for some reason in rugby at the moment referees aren't refereeing the tackler on the floor moving away quite as quickly now it's not england got undone by bad refereeing it's happening to all the teams but other teams are dealing with it a lot better and a great example of that i'd give is uh i, I watched a one weekend with, with ireland playing um against scotland i think england were playing against france Poirot, the, the the TV detective, yeah. he, he was hanging in around the breakdown looking for clues. Mur all, murderers, all for, but he was hanging in around the breakdown, and and Danny Kerr was skirting around him, trying to just ignoring him, but but still getting slowed down. Conor Murray playing in the next game against Scotland. Denton does exactly the same. He straddles him. He tri trips over him. He, he starts looking at the referee, saying, oh, "I'm getting no tripped doubt that over." Ireland are a lot more streetwise. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the penalty, they solve uh, Kearney, their own yeah. problems. Kearney got that uh, the crock roll on uh, Elliot Daly but it was, wasn't even close to yeah. being a crock roll they, they solve their own problems if someone's stopping them playing the way they want to play and that's what you know, particularly at half back they've got two two brilliant guys and I think that the, the great thing about Ireland is what Joe Schmidt's done in terms of that clarity of purpose everyone in the Irish squad are on the same page doing exactly the same things playing the same way and maybe it was the knocking confidence against Scotland, but England didn't have that. And that's probably the worry for Eddie Jones. Yes, when, you, when you're not confident, you start to hesitate and, and you start looking for other people. And that hesitation means people aren't running the right lines as aggressively enough. But Ireland looks so much more organised to what they were doing than England did. Well, it's a much more simple game plan, isn't it? I think Ireland have got, like you said, if everyone knows what they're doing, half the battle's done. Uh, there was a period, I think, where England were... They started to attack pretty well. They started to get a good phase continuity and then they just run out of people and there's, they end up getting tackled into touch. Uh, I think they've got to get their players into better positions. Elliot Daly obviously is a, one of the plus points. Maybe play him at the outside centre where he plays most of his club rugby. The back three he's looking at. Don Armand, again, is a conversation of, you talk about leaders. He's the sort of guy you could get behind. He's a big physical guy, doesn't take a backward step. And what? I think then... You've got to start thinking about the front row and what's going to happen there. Well, on Don Armand, uh, I can, you know, I thought that Allen game was the ideal opportunity to start him because you needed a a, a, a close-in ball carrier, someone that could pick and go and and, and get that those extra meters. Now, Rob Shaw and Haskell. 
brilliant, have been you know great players for England. That they've got that all that experience, but we know what they can do. And together, neither of them really is a, you know, I wouldn't say an outstanding ball carrier. They can all, they can both carry. Haskell can run really hard and, and and try and bash a hole. But if you line him up, he's not the the he he, he runs in a certain way, doesn't he? Just, he's not going to worry you, is he? he no, if you're on the opposition, exactly. But if you're already on the front foot, he's got the ability to make a break because he'll run hard and he'll and he get read, through. He reads the game really well, so yeah. that, that part of it takes over the exactly. physicality but that he likes. he had an opportunity to put this debate in his own mind to bed once and for all. Is is Don Armand a, a test match animal? Is he is he a good enough player? And if he'd started him, and then to not bring him on till the 65th minute, when you're in trouble, I just couldn't. I, I couldn't understand why he didn't have it, particularly when you've got you know the lights against Ireland. Why would you play Don Armand? Well, because you in your previous years your lineout's been torn apart by Peter Omani, and Don Armand is a similar sort of lineout forward as well, and it, you know as good, almost as good, if not as good. Do you think it's a Jones stubbornness that prevented him from putting him on? I, I don't know. I, I I don't understand. You can't rationalise it. Can't understand why. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, now we're actually starting to hear people saying, you never would have thought this six weeks ago. Is Eddie Jones the right man for the job? I mean, that's a well, stupid question, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he'll stay in the job. Until the World Cup. Regardless of whether he is or not, yeah. you, your best chance of winning a World Cup is with the same guy involved because the planning for a World Cup, it's a, you know, people talk about the four-year cycle. It's probably not a four-year cycle, but you, they do start talking about how you you get that intensity up and down for for the whole period of the two years and you make sure that players go in as as well prepared to suddenly change that all by bringing someone new in would would be disastrous for me i don't actually mind the fact that they gave him the two-year extension as well because i think that is a bit of forward planning and he is there to bring the new guy in and make sure that that's a, a really seamless handover but do you not think that's that then you hand over him in, in his eyes maybe you need something fresh something new you know, it's like it's like you giving me a job and trying to turn me I into you. I wouldn't do that. Wouldn't give you a job. Well, you haven't got a business, which you, helps. So, you so I can't. I have. I could do your garden. <laughs> you haven't got a height. <laughs> you haven't do me. your garden. Couldn't be me. Shrubs. You couldn't be me. But you know what I mean. You're almost. You don't want him. You don't want the next guy to be part Eddie Jones. You want him to be his own person. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, he'll he'll obviously be involved in the process. I don't think it'll be solely down to to him who replaces him. But he will be. Have an advisory role. He wins to the World Cup. It will. Yeah, but he'll have an advisory role to to who he brings in. Yeah. But it still will be a a, a board, RFU board decision, or even yeah, the RFU committee decision bored, will have actually. to sign it up. But <laughs> um, it, look, is it is it time it, to throw a, the baby out with the bathwater? It's basically a, a just three say... or four week period, isn't it? I think the worry and the other thing that's come up in in conversation is. Can the RFU now centrally contract? Well, they can't until 2024 anyway, because the current agreement's in place. They could potentially go and speak to the Premiership clubs, some of who aren't as flush with money as they'd like to be, and say, look, can we restructure some of those international contracts so that you don't play them as much, but we give you extra compensation in return? That's something that you could look at. But Eddie's also got to take some of the... um, uh, blame's probably the wrong word, but but some of the responsibility that the England players did look tired. It, yes, it's the year after Alliance, but and, and the England players exactly the England players have played more than anyone else by they, a country mile. They have played mile. more than anyone else, and then he takes them away and exactly. beasts, beasts them. them, and that's why he's got so to take responsibility. So why don't you just take him away and say, let's have a lie down? Do you want a pina colada? Yeah. And so so one of the things that was said when 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 those Lions boys started um, training. 
was well we need to get them back up to speed we almost so we'll do extra fitness with them because they've been away yeah, with the it works lions. well that but that's that, that's that's the way to get fresher but train again, harder that cycling i know it's gone wrong in the six nations but that cycling might mean that you don't have to work them as hard nearer to the world cup looking back on the two world cups that i trained for one i yeah. went to um I, I think you can turn up to the world cup in april may and prepare yourself as physically well yeah in that period of time. I don't think that how you are now has any relevance whatsoever to how you will be during the World Cup. Big one is for, the tour. For, for, for them, how do they solve this now? I think you want this summer off. You want your core best players to have the summer off. Agree. And you don't take them to South Africa. Or maybe you say you're playing one test. Yeah, exactly. You and play you the first in, test and you can fly home and yeah, get on and holiday. Yeah, and then you go. Yeah. yeah. So play the first test and then I'll start... Check, testing everybody else in the next two games, you know, particularly, and also it depends how they've gone for their club, because if they're say Saracens get to both finals, currently unlikely, but you could have guys there who are playing really high intensity games all the way through May and then go on three internationals in June South Africa. That's tough. That's like doing an own your little mini World Cup. But you could have someone from Exeter, or you could have someone from Leicester, or somebody from Newcastle that gets knocked out or doesn't make the top four. And then you go, do you know what? I'm actually going to take more of those guys. Oh, you you mentioned Saris. I wonder whether there's a little bit of Saris' performances this year and them losing a little bit of their invincibility, particularly in Europe, which has rubbed off on the England team because England were based around Saracens and that confidence that all those Saracens players had. And, you know, 2003, Leicester and, and Wasps were, were right up there competing in Europe, winning European. You know, that, that invincibility does rub off on, on, on the international team, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I, the, the I, I other, do think they, they need an attack coach as well. Well, that's exactly what I was just about to say. And you pointed at me at the same time I did as we point said attack. at you. Yeah. <laughs> do I know anyone? No, you don't. <laughs> uh, Will Greenwood? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Will will be pretty good. No, clever. The what I was going to say is, aside from the fact that they need an attack coach, it will in the players' mind make them feel like they're addressing the problems from the Six Nations. That someone new is coming in with fresh ideas. So I think psychologically it'll make a difference. But I agree, just someone else that that can be that attack voice, so that Eddie is still the boss. He's still overseeing it all. But I I, I think someone that that gives that enthusiasm just for attack. You've got. Paul doing it for defence. You've got Borthwick doing it for, for the forwards. Slightly uh, left field. I might go for Daryl Gibson. Yeah, I saw you wrote that in a newspaper yeah. column. Just because... Well, that... I mean, he, under I, I, Michael I Checker, who's, I don't, I don't who's know enough tonight. about him. I think he's, you know, a great guy, but I don't know about well, him. Well, under Michael Checker, um, who we've got in today, the, the Waratahs, he was the attack coach. Waratahs won Super Rugby. As a head coach, he, they've been playing uh, really expansive stuff. They haven't been winning, but partly because their accuracy hasn't been good enough, which could be a, a reason against it. But I still think you've then got this guy that can push the boundaries of attack, but you've also got someone like, uh, you know, a boss like Eddie that will keep him in check. But I also would like someone that's not just a young English guy that, so you haven't got just got yes. I'm not saying that these yeah. guys are just yes men, but you know, young coaches. No more Eddie Churchills. must feel like he can control. Whereas someone coming in from outside, I just like. I think it him to challenge him a bit. Depends more. who the person is. Whoever it is, they've got to change the mindset. When was the last time you watched an England international in the last 12 months and they genuinely shocked you by doing something? I think that's the thing. You change their uh, mindset. Scotland when they lost. When they lost. <laughs> yeah, but genuinely, you watch the game. You go, that was quick. Didn't expect that. Oh quick 22 not seen one of those for mm. four years 
that sort of thing. Really start to think above the box, out, above the box, above the box, and outside of the Below box. Below it, wherever you want to be. To the side, to if the you left, want. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's move, we on. move on. <laughs> That's what we think about England's performance in the Six Nations. But given that we had the man who was pulled on the England shirt more than anyone else on earth, and what a struggle it was for him to pull it on. It was. It, out of Vaseline, we had to three go four, through when they three brought three the skin tight job. ones out. I mean, this guy's so big. He's got, you know, he's got his own gravity. Well, he's in the studio this week, Jason Leonard. Perhaps we should just listen to what he thought of it all. It's not always the, the physical tiredness that you're talking about. It sometimes can be the mental as well. Um, it's always going to be a tough ask. You've, you've come out of a, a full-on season. Some of these guys have been involved in Lions. Into a season again. They've had no pre-season really of, of any note in that aspect. Straight into another season. So I'm pretty sure some of the players will be tired. That They will be mentally tired as well. But you've got to up your game. We, uh, with 2003, you're talking about where Benny was saying that earlier. We, we lost games in, in the build-up to that. We lost... A Grand Slam in 99, we lost a Grand Slam in 2000, and we lost a Grand Slam in 2001. As long as you learn from those mistakes and become a better player, a better team, that's got to be a good thing. You've got to learn on that process. And hopefully this, this England team will learn from the games that they've lost in this Six Nations. As always, a pleasure to hear from Jason. Now... We shouldn't sit and linger on England for too long, should we? As bad as we were, the Irish boys were equally as brilliant. So let's talk about them, Ben. Six Nations and Grand Slam winners, the new number two in the world rankings. I would argue, actually, they're probably closer to number one. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they won't play uh, the number one team until November when England will play um, New Zealand as well. Um, but they got a decent tour coming up in the summer they're down to australia i think so that's a, a decent test for them as well i just how comfortable they are it's a bit of a cliche in their own skin but they they just know exactly what they're going to do perhaps the fact that joe schmidt's been in in situ for a, a good amount of time you know he, he obviously had the the leinster connection um and, and ran that and then progressed had a world cup made a few you know errors he, he, he will say that he didn't get it quite right because they didn't get to where they wanted to. Uh, so he will have learned from that. But just the clarity that that, that team seemed to have. And interestingly enough, uh, Andy Farrell and, and Stuart Langster even do, yeah. doing things for, for Irish rugby. Yeah. I think uh, Farrell's well, I don't good, think we'll it? let them back into England, will we, though, after the, at least like some embargo for maybe a month or two. Farrell's good, though, isn't he? Yeah. Farrell's good. Um, how reliant are they on Sexton and Murray? I know Sexton, they've got uh, Carberry coming in, who could also play their huge talent. But if Conor Murray goes... I think Murray's the best in the world. Not necessarily, you know, someone like uh, Aaron Smith might might have a bit more glitzy play to him. But in terms of a, a nine that manages the game, his box kicking is, is absolutely superb, which they've built a lot of the foundation of uh, some of their performances over the years on his speed that he gets the ball into either Sexton or the forward carrier's hands is as quick as anyone. He manages the referee perfectly, not by chomping at him and, and, and screaming at him, but because he plays so fast all the time, as soon as it's not coming, the hands come out from going, where is it? I can't see it. And then he looks at the referee, or sort of ref, I can't see the ball, where is it? And the referee gives a penalty. So Yeah, that's that's my only problem with the Irish team. Brilliant side, great players across the field, but there was an awful lot of play acting going on. There's a lot of screaming, there's a lot of noise. It's working for them. It's getting them where they need to be. I mean, they've won, what, three, of, three Six Nations in the last five, and now they've got a Grand Slam. Undoubtedly, 
one of the favourites for the but, World but Cup. But Murray controls the agenda of the breakdown because he, he wants to play so fast. He looks like he's playing so fast all the time that as soon as it's slow and the re he's looking at the referee without even having to say anything, the referee goes, well, yeah, I can see you want to play quickly and it's not come. Why isn't it coming? Oh, there's an England player there. OK, well, if you are a betting man, and I'm sure if you were in Cheltenham last week and you're Irish, you had a bit of a good week as well, it might be a good time to stick a few quid on those guys. Keith, uh, Keith Earls is worth a mention oh, as well because yeah. it, it, it sort of... Disappeared uh, a little disappeared. bit. Disappeared. He'd had that brilliant start to his international career and he was superb. Yeah. Very physically strong for not the biggest guy. You know, he was putting in some big hits. I think there was one on the far side on... Uh, oh, who did he hit? Might have been Haskell. Which far side? Uh, on the far side... At Twickenham. The far side Cam at Twickenham, yeah, as opposed to the near side. Which is the near side? Which side were you on? Whichever side you're on is the near oh, side. Okay. And then the other side is the far good. side. Right, got it. So in this little booth, I'm here on the near side, no, and you're over the, yonder I'm, there I'm on, on the, the far side. side. I'm on the near side. You're on the dark side. That's all me. we need to know. Okay, moving on from the champions, let's take a quick look at the rest of the nations this year. It was a mixed tournament for Wales. Pretty good for Wales, I think. Uh, Scotland ooh, could have gone really bad in the last game. France showed signs of recovering... Uh, well, a little bit, some great tries um, for a side that hasn't showed that much flair for a number of years. Uh, so let's just rattle them through then, shall we? Let's rattle Wales, them through. Brilliant Wales, brilliant for them because going into the tournament, they were so worried about the number of injuries they had. Uh, but the reason it's brilliant is because they were forced into picking some of the players that Gatland hasn't taken a chance on before yeah. and they all stood up to it, particularly all those Scarlets lads. They showed that they could play a similar style at times when they get the balance right to the Scarlets in international rugby to tear teams apart. But um, they didn't quite get some of the results they would have wanted, but I think they'll be really happy that it's put them in a better position for yeah. the World Cup. Use 32 players, which is perfect. Yeah. Uh, you got to see some new talent and some old talent mixing in. Uh, Scotland, for me, something of a bit of a roller coaster for them this year. A bit of a humiliation against Wales. Could have turned really bad against Italy. Italy uh, should have won that I was game. was that game. They should have lost. Yeah, they should have lost. And they, they just lacked that accuracy that we've seen from Glasgow and, to, and for Edinburgh to a certain well, extent. And the pace in the bat line. We didn't see it as much as we did. We saw it in glimpses, particularly against England. But against everyone else, they just couldn't link I, it together. I, th I think you're right. It's, it's everything either seems to come off or uh, you know, some of those passes that Finn Russell threw against England compared to some of the ones he threw against uh, Italy. Uh, obviously, his performance against France as well was, was well documented. So, yeah, it's just that um, inconsistency at the moment for them. But equally, we said Italy should have won. Italy are vastly improved from yeah. where they were. Yeah. But it doesn't show because I think everyone else is better. You know, that there's no weak tip. Well, England are the weakest yeah. other team by, by results because they're fifth in the table, but there's no really weak team. Like sometimes you get in the six nations where Italy might have in the past snuck a win. Well, they're playing good rugby Italy as well. We'll get to them in a sec. I think Scotland's first 20 minutes against Wales just set them up for the rest of the tournament. Interception pass, mistake from the kickoff, lose the game. You know, that they conceivably should have won that first game. Yeah. And if they'd not thrown that pipe, that pass, was it Price who threw it, I think? Ali Price? Yeah. Um, well, they'd, they'd nearly scored themselves, they? still finished they? third. They still finished yeah. third, which I think is a good return for them. Yep. France, again, it's like being on a roller coaster with them, isn't it? Apart from Bastereau. Oh, my God. Imagine being on a roller coaster with him. Wouldn't have much space, would you? Not if it was a two-seater. He's yeah. enormous, that fella. Yeah. But he was strong, wasn't he? Over the ball, flipping heck. And they just couldn't bring him down. He he, he became the almost the uh, Sebastian Chabal of the French team yeah. in the in the final two games. Yeah, he was good. France made a stand with their discipline, didn't they? But it's about those, time they did. those players that had gone out 
um, in Scotland and weren't picked again. But yeah, Teddy Toma was odds on to be you know a player of the tournament in the first couple of rounds, wasn't he? Um, but I'm sure they'll reintegrate some of those players back into the team and. Maybe a bit like Wales, they've seen what the other guys can do as well. And really quickly for Italy, I think another wooden spoon, but definite signs of improvement. Their attacking game at times was very, very good. And just the occasional stupid mistake, they've unearthed a few good well, players. And they're, not, and they're all youngsters. That, yeah. that was the worry, wasn't it? When when Castro Giovanni and, and all, all that era started to retire, they know Parise is probably on the way out. Who they, We couldn't see these guys coming through. And now some of them were star, you know, they're absolute stars. In fact, in that Scotland game, their stars were Minotzi, the fullback, uh, Negri, the six, who's made the Opta uh, team of the tournament on, right. on stats, uh, Hartbury College, former Hartbury College lad. Um, and they finally uh, gave a debut to, to Paledri. Jake Paledri, yeah, from yeah. Gloucester, who was outstanding on his debut and won man of the match. Yeah, they've got some really good talent coming through Italy and good luck to them next year. OK, I think we've spoken about the Six Nations enough now, don't you? Let's just try and forget it ever happened. Uh, shame that it was snowed off. We've had such bad snow. Hopefully they can play it next year. One man, however, who probably won't let the English forget about our, our last few matches is the Australian head coach, Michael Checker, who joined us in the studio this week. And here are some of his best bits. Since the last World Cup, we made a, a, a conscious decision to, I suppose, change the look of our team. Uh, we've had 26 debutants over the last couple of years. We've moved out, you know, some of the senior players that we didn't think would get themselves to the World Cup, and and we wanted to get those guys who, in the let's say, in the series we lost to England in 16, those guys who played in that series now have got 30, 35 caps. Etc. starting to build our experience around that and we've got a really good crop of young players coming through. So I'd say that in 18, we're looking to, our, our big goals will be around playing our best football more consistently. We've played some great footy, but we haven't played it consistently enough. Had some great wins, New Zealand, you know, uh, on tour against Wales, different w wins there, but we haven't been able to produce it regularly. And I think that comes with inexperienced players. So the more experience we get together, uh, the more we're looking to build our consistency. We are lucky because we get to play New Zealand three times a year, you know what I mean? That's the way you improve when you play against the best. We want, uh, we want to be in that tough, uh, that, that, I suppose that tough draw, especially this year. I think 18 is a very important year for us to be able to compete at at the top level more consistently, not just once or twice and then have one game off. Um, what, what, I, uh, what I also think about it is that, uh, you know, if we're going to, to, when we, to build our confidence and self-belief, which is really important for, for us, you know, we need to be showing ourselves that we've got the depth of play who can go up and compete against these top teams. Yeah, I think obviously we had a lot of issue last year when we cut the team from Super Rugby, you know, and that, and that really hurt us across the board. I think um, our teams have started in a lot more positive fashion this year. Um, there's always strong support for the Wallabies, you know what I mean? There's no doubt about that, but it's not just about the Wallabies, it's about the game as a whole there, the participation in the game, um, young kids playing and, and seeing their, their icons, you know what I mean, playing great footy. So um, I think the mood's changing. We've got a new boss as well, so uh, things are on the up.
Big thanks to Michael for coming in this week. Now, moving away from the international game for the foreseeable future, let's look forward to the Viva Premiership, which returns this weekend. It's been an unpredictable season so far, so who knows what will happen in the final five rounds. Where are you standing on it, Ben? What do you reckon? We've got it coming back this weekend. You're in Bath, aren't you, on Friday? Yeah, Bath on Friday against Exeter, 7.45 kickoff. That's on BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD from 7pm. Uh, I, I think Exeter will finish top of the Premiership, but I'm not sure whether they'll win uh, the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's all open. Saturday, there's loads of games on. Uh, London Irish versus Gloucester, 3pm kickoff. Sale versus Worcester, that's a big one for Sale. Again, at 3pm. Saracens versus Harlequins, 3pm. And that's on BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. That starts from 2.30pm. That's from the uh, London Stadium, the old Olympic Stadium. Is it? First Is that time where they're playing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. So I'll be there at that one. Oh, good. Have a nice trip. That's just around the corner. From, from here. here, yeah, not yeah, from your house. Not from my house, no. yeah, actually, somewhere else, which is not just around the corner from my house, which is out where I'll be, is Newcastle versus Northampton. Where's that game being played? That's Austin? being played at St James's Park. Oh, isn't that where the football team play? That's where the football team play, wow. and it's in Newcastle, uh, and that kicks off at 5:30 p.m. You can find that on BT Sport One and 4K UHD. Coverage starts from 5:15 p.m. But then the big one, the one that is going to have a huge impact on yeah. who finishes fourth. Sunday, Leicester versus Wasps, 3 p.m. kickoff, BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. I'll be joined by Lawrence Delalio, who will try and contain himself if Wasps win. And that's on 2.30 p.m. It's on a massive channels. game, is it? Both sides got a couple of, of, of quite key injuries, uh, particularly in the back row in terms of ball carrying. Nathan Hughes obviously out. Uh, Leicester uh, are without um, Brendan O'Connor, who's been playing really well for them and giving them a bit of go forward. What's he done? Mike Williams is out as well. Um... He uh, a rib problem. Okay. Yeah. Well, you disguise that well. No, no, so it's a, it is a rib. Problem. He's hurt his knee. It's a rib problem. What did he have? A bad rib barbecue or yes, so, salt and pepper are my favourites. Chili salt. All right. Oh yeah, chili salt. But sometimes they can deep fry them too much and then shut they up, get a bit. Shut okay. up. Just finish the finish. Let's go with it, shall we? Okay, thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back in the studio and on BT Sport as well. It's right here on the pod. So make sure you hit the subscribe button to get it delivered to your device every Thursday morning. And if you've enjoyed listening, please give me a five-star rating and a one for Ben. Thanks very much. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.